Well, this podcast has been an interesting ride for me. You may recall that originally I was trying to write, and I was trying to write really a manifest, I, I don't know what else to call it, for my wife and kids so that they could manage our portfolio upon my demise. I just wanted to get my thoughts on paper so that they would know how I was looking at the market and how to invest. That's really why I have so much personal information in the podcast, because it was actually a bit of a historical accounting of my life with my parents and growing up too. So a book, I, I was starting to write a book, as I said, it was just too hard. And so the suggestion of my son, I'm, I've been doing a podcast. Now I have tried in season one to give simple metrics to look at that will help you pick stocks and take some of the mystery out of buying individual stocks. You all know by now, I don't care much for investment advisors and I don't like bonds or mutual funds. I've articulated that pretty clearly in the first season. It's kind of a funny story, though. Somewhere along the sixth or seventh episode, I decided to put my email address in the podcast so that I could share a simplistic spreadsheet for analysis. The really spreadsheet idea came from a friend of mine that I used to work with in Hawaii, and she said, I just think you need to give some kind of tool. So I developed a very simplistic spreadsheet, and I was a little nervous about putting my email address out there because I didn't know how people were going to react to the podcast. I I even asked you if you had negative input, I didn't want to hear it. Not only because of my fragile ego, but honestly, when you put your heart and soul into helping others, you really don't want to get beat up for poor content or whatever. Now, I've been honest, very honest. I'm a regular guy who just figured out a strategy for me with metrics to help me buy stocks. I'm self-taught. I've been straightforward saying I have no professional experience. And I'm not an expert. This is just my story and my experiences to share. You all have suffered through my lack of ability to do a more professional podcast. I did fix the volume problem, though, and I appreciate somebody bringing that up. I stumble a lot in my podcast, you know, but I'm always trying to just get my point out. I'd like to say to all of you, thanks for hanging in there, and I appreciate you listening. Now, Full stop. When I finished my podcast, or the, the season one call it a podcast, early last fall, I thought, well, that was probably going to be the end of it. In fact, I called my last podcast in season one, The End. As you know, that by the title of the podcast, How to Invest in the Stock Market, The Beginner's Guide, I didn't want to go too deep into subjects that made it too hard to understand or confusing. Well, since the fall... I've been receiving a smattering of emails and really just sharing the spreadsheet that was requested by most people when I put my uh, my email address in there. And then the pandemic happened. And I started getting emails from people asking me what I thought about the market and what to do. And it really, I was low on energy at that point when the market crashed after the pandemic crisis. But those emails really gave me energy to get back out there and give my thoughts and opinions. And I've never been, if you know me, I've never been one afraid to give my thoughts and opinions to anyone, even if they don't ask for it. I know a lot of people that know me are laughing about that right now. Well, after those emails, I had the courage to look, even look at my the bloodshed of my portfolio. I just put my head under the covers and I didn't look. I even shared a pretty painful personal story in the last podcast. 
Well, what has happened since that time is I've been putting out a few podcasts and continue to get correspondence from y'all. And the questions are really great, great questions, so keep them coming. I have answered every email to address their specific questions and just feel that more people are probably asking and thinking about the same types of questions. So what's happening? Here's what I would tell you is happening. You've all got down the season one basics. You hopefully now understand how to pick a stock. But then what? After that, now what? You're past the rudimentary stock picking, but there's so many other questions. When do I sell? When do I buy? How do I get the dividend? Should I reinvest the dividends? What brokerage should I use? Is now a good time to get in the market? I mean, hundreds of others. I could go on, but you get the point. You've got the rudimentary stuff down now. Let's move on to some of the more complicated subjects of investing. Well, for now, your questions are driving my podcast. When I see an email with questions, I think a broader audience would benefit from it. And I'm going to follow that trail for a while. Anyway, we'll just see where it goes. I started my push information campaign with two emails, one of which is a great link to dividend aristocrats. And the second is a link to the dividend X dates. And, and both were sent to me from investors that listen to the podcast. I, I can't thank you enough. I mean, that's sharing information. Spray your knowledge. So the podcast is starting to sail another course, and I really like the direction of it. Now, that was a long-winded response to, I got an email I think you could benefit from. Actually, a couple. I get asked a lot, and I kind of feel bad because many ask me who they should use as their brokerage account. And I say I feel bad because you would think that would be in a beginner's guide, <laughs> that maybe I might mention that. Well, there are some of you that have thrown out uh, names that I've never even heard of before. Robin Hood is one of the ones that younger folks really like. Uh, I've heard that some even let you do fractional trading, fractions of a share. My response to the folks asking this question is really depends on whether or not you like the platform and their software. Some, I, I've used several, and some I found very cumbersome. As you know, I care about dividend income as an example, so I want to toggle that brings me to dividend income estimate for the year. Well, I had one brokerage where I had to export the data to Excel. I had to add columns and formulas. And in five to 10 minutes, I could get the number I wanted. Okay, well, that was a bit annoying, but I could get there. I mean, I don't know why I'm in such a hurry because I got nowhere to go. But, but the one I use now, it's just a mouse click. I just like expediency. I just like good data, good software. But it's just an example of a personal lead, and it didn't fit my need. So, and I'm not too paranoid, but I'm always cautious. Therefore, I prefer brand names. I mean, I don't want to wake up one morning and find out my brokerage is a Ponzi scheme. I mean, think Bertie Madoff, Madoff. So now finally, I'll give my top choices. And they're TD Ameritrade, Fidelity, Charles Schwab, and Merrill Edge. Those are my favorite platforms. If I said their platforms are different for trading and analysis, and it becomes a very personal choice like it was for me. Another reason I trade with the one I currently trade with is because my links to my IRA and my checking account, which means I can transfer money very quickly. I used one brokerage account that took me weeks to get a check. And that's just ridiculous. And I won't bore you with the story of why it took so long. Also, these brokerages have different fee structures and I know nothing about any of that. What I do know for me is I get free trades and I have no other fees fees with the investments that I choose to invest in. So they're not taking any of my hard-earned money. Probably should have had that in the first season somewhere. So I apologize. Got a lot of questions about it and the great questions. So moving on. 
So I had a listener ask me some very specific questions and I responded to him personally and I asked him if I could use his questions as examples and he graciously agreed. So he asked me this, he said, should I consolidate lower end stocks to buy bigger ones? I have only about $900 invested right now. I have about 10 to 12 different stocks, most valued at under $20 a stock. Should I sell them off at a small gain and buy more, larger, more established stocks? I'm currently looking at Chevron. I have Exxon and BP right now and Pfizer. I'm not asking for specific stock uh, picks because I know that's not what you do. And I'll say, great question. My answer to that is, if I own a stock that has made me money and I find another stock I like better, I will sell and take profit and sell the first stock to buy the second one. It, that sounds like a simple answer, but it's not. It can be a tricky proposition. The question you ask is familiar to anyone I've ever spoken to about the stock market. First question is always, when should I buy? When's the best time? And the second is, when should I sell? When's the best time? I'm telling you, it, it, you're never going to find it. But what Mike articulated above is a great strategy where he paired a position and took a profit. My mantra is that it's always okay to take a profit, especially if you believe that that stock will no, ver, no longer advance in the current environment. Years ago, I was heavily invested in tobacco and the dividends were great. The growth was amazing, but there came a time and it was really launched by the vaping issue and the tobacco sector really fell out of favor. I sold all of it and I moved on. Another example is Boeing. It was doing great. I it was over like close to 450 a share. I sold it at 400 a share and then the airline crashes. And now the pandemic. That's why I prefer a buy and study. I got out at $400 and now it's under 150. If I had bought and hold, I held, I'd have been in wary shape. That's why one of my strategies is buy and study. I'm not a buy and hold forever guy. I always study and new information can change my stance on a specific stock or sector. You're making money in bottom line. Can you always make more? Sure. But you can always make less too. Therefore, if your choices are making money, you're doing good. And I don't really care what the percentage is. If you're do making money, you're doing good. His next question was, is there a point you sell based on gains, which we were kind of just talking about, or losses as a percentage? He says, I have three stocks that have gained over 20% and one that has gained 78%. I sold about half the stock that has gained 70% to cover what I paid for it. Literally everything now has made money. But should I just sell the remaining and not be greedy? Greedy? It's a gold company, by the way. It's the highest level it's ever been. Well, that's interesting, Mike. I just realized when I look back that I really didn't answer your second question very well. But, but here it is. Mike has a very good problem. I'm making money. I don't know when I should take my profit. I'm not being mean, but Mike, that's a good spot to be in. There's nothing worse than selling a stock and seeing it go up after you sold it. A recent example for me is Amazon. I, I sold it at about 1900 a month or two ago and had a nice profit. So I took my profit and I'm happy. But now it's hovering around 2400 Does it hurt? Yeah. Am I going crazy over it? No. You just don't know what you don't know. The old saying... It's really hard to tell what's going to happen, especially in the future. Now, just listen to that. I mean, that's funny. So, and it's true. 
So my mantra is look back, but don't beat yourself up. I made a profit and that should be good enough for me. But for Mike, I wouldn't think of it as being greedy. His stock, it may very well stay in and grow. I would say, Mike, you're being strategic and that's important. I've said many times in the podcast that I study a stock voraciously before I buy it. And this is important too. I study a stock voraciously before I sell it because I want to make sure as best I can to not lose any upside. So I'm looking to shave a position to buy another stock, but before I do, I study it almost as much as the stock I want to buy. I don't personally have a sell point, not a percentage, not a price target, not what others tell me I should do. I use my own intuition. And that's that's vague, I get it. But, but I probably said this, already, but I have so many more stocks I would love to own right now at this moment, but I'm pretty happy with my portfolio. If I find a stock I really want and just don't have the cash to buy it, I may very well and have and trim a profitable position to invest in the new shiny stock. But to be fair to Mike and anybody out there, these are hard decisions. My counsel is really fairly simplistic. Do your part. Study. Do your work. Try and be informed. Trust your intuition and trust your intelligence. Believe in yourself and be decisive. Maybe that wasn't that simple, but it, it is my mantra. And then I'll look back. I mean, it's okay to look back specifically on pops and drop strategy, but don't look back at your decision. You decided with the best info and data you had at the time. You don't know what you don't know. And if you made money, you had a profit, then what's the problem? Now, I will address his specific questions about oil stocks. And remember, I mentioned I don't pick stocks, but I want to speak of this because Mike is in an entirely different position than I am. We all are in different positions than me or Mike. Mike is working to create wealth and he's using his intelligence to look at the market uh, to begin with. So kudos to all of you that are doing that. You're ahead of the game because most people don't think of their future. Now, he has a lot of time. He's young manners. I call it runway. His stock picking decisions and, and, and making should be much more different than what mine is. I'm a senior citizen. Uh, my wife hates it when I say this, but I got one foot on a banana pill and the other in a grave. <laughs> However, with that said, I'll give you my view on oil. I, I just don't like oil right now, at least for me. It was an overage of world supply. It sold under $0 last week and still has room to crater. I mean, that means that they're paying money to take the oil. It's less worse, worth less. And I talked to that in a previous episode. I talked to this too. I'd be concerned about Shell, Chevron, Exxon paying those dividends consistently going forward. Just something to watch for because even in this pandemic, the oil market is as volatile as any. And there's so many countries in this space that will determine the outcome. Russia, China, USA, countries in South America. So for me having just taken a beating with the market in pandemic, my risk factor that I talk about in season one is pretty puckered right now. I'll have to stay away from oil with one exception. I'll speak to that in a moment. But this is key to point out to Mike. If you buy those oil stocks now and hold for five years or longer, you may be the happiest guy in the planet. So what Mike has to ask himself is, where do you think oil will be in five years? That's really the question. As I say, believe in yourself, your intellect, and your tuition is simply why you must pick your own stocks. 
I would love to say buy this and sell that, but I don't know. Anybody that says they do, they don't either. I just don't want to be wrong and hurt somebody's portfolio. Because remember, nobody cares about more about your money more than you do. Mike make Mike may make those oil picks. Oil recovers and goes back to $100 a barrel. And guess what? Probably pretty happy with his decision. Maybe like buying Apple after bankruptcy for seven bucks. So who's right? Who's wrong? Future will tell us. As I say, I don't think there's a right or wrong way to invest. It's just investing. I would leave you, however, with this. You may want to research oil holding or tanker companies. Some are doing very well right now. One went up 22% today. But Mike, you're asking all the right questions. You should be proud that you're making money. That's the goal. Now, that's a lot of pontificating on my part. But my last point is this. In season one, I recite a poem by Robert Hastings. I don't know if you recall it or not. I won't recite it again. But this is key for me to try and explain to you. Investing, investing is a journey and not a destination. We will all travel our specific investing journeys. But to be sure, we will never arrive at a station. In this journey, we will learn. We will be successful. We will help others along the way. And we will relish in the fact that it was a pretty fun and intellectual way to spend time. For now, thanks for being a part of my journey. And as always, God bless you and your families at this confusing time.